0: him, to proclaim a message of repentance to the Assyrian people in Nineveh. Now, did you know, did anybody know that the book of Jonah is not the first mention of Jonah in Scripture? Did you know that? I have to confess I didn't know that until I started researching a little bit. So, before we look at Jonah chapter 2... I would like to just look at one verse from the book of 2 Kings where Jonah is on the scene and he's prophesying on behalf of Israel as God had raised him up to do. So let's look together at 2 Kings 14.25 where the writer is beginning to recount the reign of King Jeroboam. 2 Kings 14.25 He, that is King Jeroboam, was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Libo Hamath to the Sea of the Arabah in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefur. Now, if you'll bear with me for just a few moments, I just wanted to set up a little historical background to this entire short book Jonah was prophesying there about the restoration of Israel and the reclamation of its borders. Borders that had been claimed of late by Syria, not Assyria, but Syria, a nation that had also been quite troublesome to Israel. So God used the Assyrian people, with Nineveh as its capital, He used the the Assyrian people for fulfillment of this prophecy prophecy of the word he spoke through Jonah. And so Assyria successfully subdued Syria and Damascus, but historians tell us that in doing so, it pretty much weakened them, and they were forced to withhold from further conquest, uh, praise God, for, for quite some period of time. So, against this backdrop of the decline of two oppressive nations, Uh, and Pastor Eric mentioned this last week, Israel was starting to, you know, feel pretty smug about itself. You know, it was feeling pretty good, feeling this sense of superiority, this sense of favor. There was a, from top to bottom, national consensus of desiring what they would call the day of the Lord, a time when God would just place all enemies under their foot. It's kind of a sign of, of domination. A sense of complacency was settling in across the entire nation. And even uh, Amos, another minor prophet, speaks of this uh, in his book. So against this backdrop, God once again summons Jonah. He wants him to be his spokesperson again. So Jonah waits for it, but he wants him to be his spokesperson to the Ninevites and to Assyria. You know, not another message for Israel, but to Nineveh. Now, have you ever felt like God was pushing, prompting you to do something, and you just, you'd really rather not? You know, it's kind of a little, eh, not that, please. No, don't make me do that. God, have you ever felt that way? Jonah had a really bad attitude about this. Really bad. His was a rebellion of epic proportions. He thought he could run away and hide from God. And God's pursuit of Jonah was a far greater statement still. So in chapter 2, where we are at today in Jonah, we find this prophet in the most unusual and precarious of situations. It, It probably was unprecedented. And I believe it had to be true. Jesus speaks of this story in Matthew 12. So it probably happened. How does one exist inside a fish? I mean, what would you do? Well, Jonah does what is probably the very best thing to do. (laughs) He prays. Probably a pretty good idea. He utters a heartfelt, beautiful, profound prayer. It's a proclamation of God. Presumably, I imagine written down and recorded after, he was released from the fish, you know. But... uh, But this was his prayer. And let's read this together from Jonah chapter 2. I think we probably have that up here. Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help And you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah chapter 2, the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. What can we embrace from Jonah's predicament? What can we embrace from his prayer? What can we take to heart from this cry of Jonah? Now, I don't know about you, but I would consider myself in dire straits if I were inside a fish in the depths of the ocean. Jonah does indeed lament this predicament. And I want to just go back again. I'll I'll go back repeatedly today. Uh, 2, chapter 2, verses 3, and uh, including chapter, verse 5, where he laments, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the sea, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I just hate it when that happens. Don't you? yeah. Seaweed. I don't like seaweed at all. I mean, I love the ocean, but it's like, eh, you know, it was wrapped around my head. This situation is incredible. It's horrible. And yet, to me, the greatest cry of angst and suffering in this prayer, to me, comes from verse 4. And I want to look at that again. Jonah 2, verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Jonah 2 4. Jonah had been trying his very best to run away from God. And yet now, in his gruesome captivity, his greatest outcry was that he felt banished from God's sight. He had been trying to run away from him. But this is his greatest outcry. Do you think God's presence matters? We've been singing about it this morning. Thank you worship team. We proclaimed it with anointing. I want to take you back to a very well-known psalm, the Shepherd psalm. Psalm 23, verse 4, where David says this. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So why is David not afraid? Because God's presence was with him. God's presence, friends, is utmost. God's presence is the pearl of great price. Perhaps Jonah, who seemed to be well-versed in Old Testament scriptures, perhaps Jonah should have recalled Before he ran away, Psalm one thirty nine, reading from verses nine and ten. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, anybody know this one? If I settle on the far side of the sea, Jonah, even even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Jonah was experiencing vivid realization that there is nowhere we can go to escape God's presence. And that's a good thing. Nowhere we can go that his presence will not shine. His presence, I want to assure you this morning, can invade any reality, and it will. Is there a fish belly situation in your life this morning? Is there? I would not wish that for you, but is there? God is with you in that fish belly. God is with you, wherever you are. His presence changes everything. I'm going to say that a lot this morning. His presence changes everything. Jonah's gaining some wisdom now, hindsight, of course, being 2020, as he languishes in his horrid condition and his, he responds back to God. His response is an example for us all. Notice again verse 4. I don't think I put this in the notes, but or the outline where he says, Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Verse 4. Notice also uh, verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Jonah remembers... The Lord. What is your fish belly today? Where do you envision God in that? Is He there? Yes. I want to tell you He is. Remember the Lord. Hear the words with me uh, of Isaiah in chapter 45. Verse 22, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. Isaiah 45, 22, and the words of King David now in 1 Chronicles 16, 11. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Seek His face always. Always. The presence of God changes everything. His presence can and will pierce through your darkest reality. In your fish belly, turn to God. He's never left your side, and you never will. No matter how far you roam. He's always with you. He's always beckoning for you to call to him. Seek his presence. You know, Jonah really should have known better. Right? We just read in 2 Kings, I mean, he had seen God's mighty hand at work. God had used him to proclaim his deliverance for Israel. And yet, Reading between the lines, Jonah seems to me to be sort of a all-out-there-with-his-emotions kind of person, right? A little bit reactionary, might you say? Yeah, <clears throat> just a bit. Kind of a wear-his-emotions-on-his-sleeve sort of person. Maybe he was just very stubborn. God seems to use all personality types for his purposes. Maybe he was just being very human. Have you ever noticed known anybody like this? Have you ever owned this kind of reaction for yourself? And yet we see, and Jonah sees very dramatically, that God's purposes will be put forward. Yes, God's purposes will be accomplished. Amen? God is sovereign. Something else I hope we glean from this prayer of Jonah. There is nowhere Jonah can go at all to thwart God's purposes. Not even to Tarshish. And that came up in chapter 1. Tarshish. Now, I was reading some uh, scholarship on just where ancient Tarshish is or was. um, And depending on what you read, it could vary. But most scholars think that Tarshish was an ancient port city of Spain so along the Mediterranean Sea past even the Straits of Gibraltar so you got that in your geographical head there along this ship route that was called the Levantine commercial sphere or Levantine trade route and it's a long long way perhaps even a couple thousand miles or more Nineveh and Tarshish would have been completely on the opposite ends of this entire maritime spectrum. Tarshish extends to the end of Old Testament geographical knowledge. It doesn't even get further away than that. So when Jonah intends to run away from God, he really wasn't kidding. I mean, he he goes big, or at least he tries to go big. And yet. Doesn't matter. Jonah acknowledges that he can't escape the reach of God. Notice again verse 3 You, God, when I was running away, hurled me into the deep. Our God is sovereign, my friends, and I want you to know He's completely good, and His purposes will be accomplished. If we submit our hearts, To him. He can bring us to that place of peace where our hearts align with his. I'll say that again. If we submit our hearts to him, even in your fish belly, he will bring us to that place of peace where our hearts align with his. He commanded a great fish. He commands the storms and the elements of nature and more. And he's Lord this morning for you. He's Lord for me. Some more scripture just to reinforce that point. Back to Isaiah 45, verses 7 and 9. I love this. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker. (laughs) Jonah probably should have known that one. Woe to him who quarrels with his maker, to him who is but a potsherd, among the pots herds on the ground. Do you know what a pots herd is? It's broken ceramic material laying on the ground. Reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians four, I think it is. Remember that one where we have this treasure, treasure of the kingdom, treasure of God in what? in jars of clay in jars of clay. Yeah, this morning, friends, I stand before you as a potsherd, as broken, and not to bash myself, but by that I mean I am broken, I am limited, I'm fragile, I make mistakes, and yet I know that I am fiercely loved by the one who matters most. Amen? Amen. Hear these words from Jeremiah thirty-two, seventeen. Ah, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing. That's the God we serve, friends. So, if you find yourself in a fish belly this morning, know this. God is on the throne. He loves you, and he is good. He sees your situation. Turn to him. Let him carry your burden. Give to him the burden you carry for others. They're never out of his reach. Never. Our God is sovereign. So, my friends, if we... If the book of Jonah teaches us nothing else this morning or throughout this series, I pray that we would realize that God is in love with us. God is in love with humanity. God is in love with you. Jonah declares in verse 9 that salvation comes from the Lord. and We see vividly in the book of Jonah that salvation is for all. God desires that all should know him as Savior and Lord. In commanding Jonah to proclaim him to the Ninevites, we get a glimpse of the heart of God. And it's like this. Our Heavenly Father longs to hold in his arms people that you don't like people that are difficult to love. If one were to have done a personality profile of the Assyrians, it might have went something like this, you know, that they do not get along well with others. Right? They were brutal. They were oppressive, they were cruel. They were not liked by other nations, not just Israel. They had a reputation But that is where God commanded Jonah to go. Some, in my research, some biblical language scholars took me back to Jonah chapter 1, verse 2, and they said maybe a better rendering of it would have read for Jonah to preach in Nineveh because, says the Lord, its trouble is of concern to me. From Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. Jonah's commission was born of God's compassion. His commission was born of God's compassion. Now, I've worked in customer service most of my adult working life. And I got to tell you, there are days that I really don't like it. Just really rather not. People are mean, people are mean spirited. Yes, they can be vicious, they're indifferent they can be demanding like Jonah in the fish belly prayer is a necessary thing to start my day every day for my own survival i got to bring god into this and you know what god is in love with those people he died for their restoration too sent his son consider with me these beautiful words from psalm 91 whoever dwells In the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The deliverance of God is for all people, my friends, even mean people, people with different beliefs or ideology. There are no links God will not go to redeem, to deliver, to bring people to him. Jonah didn't have a faith problem. Not at all. Jonah had a heart problem. He knew full well God would offer deliverance to the wicked Assyrians, the Ninevites, and he just didn't want it. What about you this morning, Where is your heart? What is the condition of your heart for people that need to know and hear of the love of God? Pastor Eric asked this question last week. What prohibits you from sharing this good news by your life and by your testimony? You know, I think my favorite verse in this entire prayer is chapter 8 or is verse 8 rather Jonah 2 verse 8 let's look at that again I think I have it up here yes those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs wow wow What perspective from a fish belly? Wow. It makes one wonder. Was Jonah here talking about the Ninevites? Or was he talking about himself? Or both? What are the idols that would keep you from living into your God-anointed purpose this morning? What distractions... What worries, what fears, hesitations would keep you from greater intimacy with God and thus from sharing with others this greatest of news, this treasure that we have in jars of clay? As Jesus was commissioning and sending forth the 72, which is now our awesome new name for our school of ministry, as Jesus was sending forth the 72, he tells them this, He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I pray that we might see our world and people through the eyes and the heart of Jesus. May our hearts be that of compassion. Not competition. Compassion. Not of judging or comparing or sizing things up. But may our hearts be passionate for what God is passionate for. May we be moved by the things that move the heart of God. May we see all that is set before us. People and circumstances through the lens of the heart of God. God is in love with humanity. All of it. May we be transformed to radiate his love and share his message. So, this is going to be pretty early this morning, I guess. I'm sorry. Is that okay? Is that all right? Yeah, don't tell Eric, or or do tell Eric. Yeah. 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 Just saying. I pray that you're not in a fish belly. This morning, although I know some of you are, and if you are, may you turn to God, may you seek his face, may you seek his presence. His presence changes everything, I'm telling you. And worship team, feel free to come back up here. May you know that God is good and that he's in control. He's sovereign. He's Lord of all. He has equipped you and longs to use you for his kingdom purpose, even if you don't want to be used or even if you don't think you can be used. Yes, you can. God has uniquely equipped all of us to be his hands and feet to our world. May you catch a sense of God's heart for people, his heart for the world. And may you say yes to his call to you, the call to represent him. Amen.